0: Hi, everybody. How are we doing this morning? You probably can guess what we're going to be talking about, cultivating peacemaking. So uh, that's the topic of the day, and um, I feel pretty privileged to be able to to talk about it. Uh, And we've been talking about cultivating, which is to try to develop a quality or something in your life. Uh, In this case, it's it's going to be uh, many spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about over several weeks. Um, we've, we've talked about Bible reading. We've talked about community. We've talked about um, hospitality. Um, we've talked about rest. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about fasting. We've talked about celebration. have talked about generosity and all sorts of different spiritual disciplines that we want to try to cultivate in our lives. Um, some of those things you probably would list as the very top two that you think about when you think about cultivating something in your life, like Bible reading or prayer, because those are like the normal Christian things that we think about. we got to pray more and we got to read our Bibles more and stuff like that, but there's so much more than that in a relationship with the Lord. And Today, today we're going to talk about peacemaking. Um, Next week, uh, Jordan and the youth have uh, the entire service, and then the following week after that, the first week in April, um, we're going to be, I believe we're ending our cultivating uh, series, I believe, uh, with worship, and we've got a couple of special things. Hopefully, I have that service as well, and um, hopefully that'll be an awesome service for us, so... um, Debbie read several passages. I I thought about reading uh, the passage in, uh, where David and Nabal and um, Abigail, this whole long passage of a relational issue and then the solution to that issue that Abigail did. Uh, but I decided not to. I thought, you know, I'm going to lose this congregation in like 50 verses. <laughs> it is not going to work. Um, so I thought I'll just put several passages together that kind of derive this idea home. Um, as uh, as we talk about cultivating, um, let me see if I can get the, the sli- first slide up there. There we go. I got some slides for you guys, and Matt and I were kind of messing around with this thing this morning. And it's been acting weird, okay? So if it acts weird again, we'll try to work through it. If we can't, then I'm going to have Matt, Matt drive it. But I don't have that many slides. Um, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to start off with a slide that kind of illustrates some of the relational conflicts. Now, I know that there, on the left, there are more than just three. If you talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they're going to have a several different pictures up there. But what I thought was, hey, what are the ones that I see in my life? What are the ones that I think are most common? And so the top one is me, and the arrow is heading toward somebody else. And what that is, is I've done something that has caused a conflict, that has caused an offense, And uh, I may not even know that I've done it, but yet I've done it, because that receiving individual is offended. Uh, Or maybe I do know that I've done it. That's that first one. The second one is the opposite. Somebody has offended me. Of course, I know it because I've been offended. But they may not know it. And then they may also know it. And then the other one uh, that I think is the most common is uh, I'm like an outsider and one or two people, or not one or two, but two or more people are having a conflict. They're having an issue. There's a relational breakdown, and uh, so I step in. This is the picture up here on the left, where God wants us to bridge these types of relationships in this area of peacemaking and reconciliation. So that this is kind of what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to, I hope, go over things that are encouraging and uplifting, but yet challenging. Um, We can't just kind of gloss over the truth of Scripture. We can't do it. And I'm not one to do that, if you know me at all. Uh, I'm not mean and nasty, I hope not. (laughs) Because if I am, then I'm up here on the first level. But but God's truth is God's truth. And if we're believers, we want to know it. It's part of the desire that he's put in our heart when we became a Christian. So we're going to talk a little bit about these. And um, I'm going to start off with uh, a question that I think is one that I oftentimes, or I would ask myself, is where does conflict come from? You know, because we see it everywhere. We see it in connection. I see it many years where I manage folks. There was conflicts all the time. There was never a time where there wasn't something going on in the workplace. We see it in the family. I have a large family, five kids. And a wife and a husband. So you got seven people living under the same roof. There's conflict happening. Um, we see it with friends. Uh, we see it out in, uh, the, in the world. We see it on the road. <laughs> we see it everywhere. We see it on television. It's promoted in many cases on television. It's encouraged. You're tough. You're, you're a uh, I am man, I am woman type person if you can go after a conflict and you know, state your uh, point or state your, your business. So it's a, it's a tough subject. I didn't realize how tough it was until I started getting into this, and I also didn't realize how important it is. I mean, I knew it was, but the more I looked at this and the more I look at what is going around, what is happening in our community and the relationships that I'm involved in, the relationship that I know about, this idea of peacemaking is at the very, very core of our faith. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about. So where does conflict go come from? We could go to a lot of different places. We probably have personal experiences. Uh, we can go to television if we want to. We can go to uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, and we can get stuff. We can go to the Bible. There's lots of stories in the Bible. There's verses in the Bible about conflict. And I want to go to James. Okay, James chapter 4. Most of you are very familiar with James chapter 4. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to, that's fine. Um, so uh, James, what I like about it is James goes, hey, what causes fights and wars among you? He actually asks the question <laughs> that we're dealing with today. And so the appropriate answer comes from James under the leadership Of the Holy Spirit of God in him. So, this is James writing it, but this is God's answer. So, if you're a person sitting here today and you believe in the Lord and you believe in the Word and you know that the Word is the truth, then what comes next is the truth. Now, it may not be the only thing because we don't interpret Scripture with only one piece of Scripture, we interpret Scripture in the whole of Scripture. We do that. But here's what James says He says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. And if you know this passage, you know where it goes on and it talks about um, you're asking God for what you want. And... And God says, well, I'm not giving you what you want because you're wanting it for the wrong reasons. You're wanting it so that you can use it for your lust and for sinful reasons. So you're not getting it. And so then you get mad. So that's uh, what I want to use today, at least, uh, as we talk about conflict in, in terms of the definition. I want to use desires that we have are at the core or the root. But I want to add a word to that. And it is a desire. But I want to add it because it is so relevant in the world in which we live. And that is expectations. The word expectations. So we're going to, when we talk about this, we're going to talk about you and I having desires that aren't being met or expectations. And so, therefore, We have an opportunity to have a conflict in a relationship. Uh, So that's where we're heading. And um, what is a peacemaker? So now I'm going to try to get this up here. Here we go. Um, I found most of this definition somewhere, but I added a couple of words to it. Um, What is a peacemaker? Someone seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. Very simple. Most, probably most of you in here could have said that, because we're knowledgeable. We know what it's about. But I wanted to drive it home a little bit, because peacemaking is all about a relationship with God. And as a believer, that is the foundation or the fundamentals, because if we don't have a relationship with God or we have uh, non-peace with God, it's going to be very difficult for us to have peace. A relationship, a peaceful relationship with others. And so we want to start there. But the other thing is this idea of seeking, and we'll get into this a little bit more, uh, this idea of seeking to reconcile. Um, So someone seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. Um, The word shalom, I think a lot of us have heard this before, and I did a little bit of reading up on it, and I thought I'd share a couple of the things that uh, were said. So a lot of times we, we, we hear this word, and it's, hey, hello, or see you later, goodbye. And that is what it is. But in, in the culture, in the Jewish culture, uh, as, as a lot of words, they, they carry a lot more meaning to it than maybe what the English language might translate. Um, and so I thought I would uh, share a couple of those things. So when uh, somebody in that culture... Said shalom to somebody. Yeah, it might have meant hey, hello, or it might have meant goodbye, but it also, in the underneath part, meant a couple of other things related to health and prosperity and harmony and uh, wholeness. So when a Jew said shalom to someone, what they were wishing on that individual is the full presence, peace, prosperity, of all the blessedness of God. Now, that's a mouthful. We don't even, we, it's hard for us to even comprehend the blessedness of, of God and all of what that might mean. Uh, but let's just, let's just leave it at that for right now. Um, I also read uh, that Numbers chapter 6, there's a passage in there that I think a lot of us are very familiar with, is at the very core of this idea of shalom. And here's what it says. Uh, The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. So, this idea of peace, this idea of all the blessedness of what God brings into a person's life, that relationship with God that permeates down into the relationship with other people, um, that idea of shalom. So I kind of summarized uh, this idea of peacemaking, and the word that we see in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, one of the passages that Debbie read, uh, blessed is the peacemaker, for they will be called the son of God. This idea of peacemaking is not a guy who is sitting in a pew and daydreaming about peacemaking, uh, or... It's not a passive word. It's, a, it's, an, it's the opposite of that. It's an active word. Um, it's an aggressive word. It's a seeking word. It's a word of action and going after it. And uh, I thought, for me, that's, that's pretty interesting. And that's pretty challenging. And I think it's also pretty convicting uh, for me. But as I was reading up on that... They did a pictorial definition of this word. And what it was is it was a picture of two combatants. So you got a combatant over here and a combatant over here. And they're fighting each other. And there's this guy in the middle. And he's grabbing this guy by the collar. And he's grabbing that guy by the collar. And he's pushing them together on the table and giving them a reason to lay down their arms. And that is the picture that is painted of a peacemaker in this this idea of uh, what Jesus says in the Beatitude. I thought that was pretty interesting. So in summary, a peacemaker describes one of who is actively pursuing peace. The peacemaker pursues more than just the absence of conflict. They don't avoid strife, as a matter of fact, if you've done any peacemaking, you might actually add to the strife or the conflict in the, in the action of doing a peacemaking endeavor. They are not merely seeking to appease or to accommodate everyone. Instead, they are pursuing all the beauty of Jesus and all the blessedness of God upon another person. So that's where that idea of uh, what is a peacemaker comes from, um, <clears throat> the model peacemaker. You know who's who is the model peacemaker? I mean, there's only one, right? It's Jesus. So, um, peacemaking uh, is a divine work. It's not something that you can really get to the core of making peace between God and man without God being involved, without the Holy Spirit involved. It's a divine. Um, interaction with our spirit that happens. God is the author of peace. Jesus came into the world to establish peace. He is called the Prince of Peace. Before he was crucified, he talked to the people and he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you, to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. The kind of peace that Jesus was going to give is not the kind of peace that the world gives. It's a different peace. The world will only look at the lateral piece of peacemaking. We see it everywhere. A believer will look at the vertical side, the relationship of God and the individual or individuals, and then they will look at the relationship of man to man. And that, I believe, is what God has called us to do in part of this area of a peacemaker. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, Brian and Dave were up here and they were talking about hospitality and part of what they talked about um, was the work of the deacons. And, um, and so we, we spent a little bit of time uh, talking about te- deacons and praying for our deacons and things like this. And in Act chapter 6, Um, is where this whole idea, uh, an office of deacons initiated. And the early church would would collect money um, for the sole purpose of helping to meet the needs of of Christians. And part of the problem that occurred was um, the distribution of food. And um, some of the widows, who were Gentiles, were being neglected and other widows were kind of getting their fair share and so there was a conflict why am i not getting the food I should be getting and the conflict arose and then there was some murmuring and then there was some complaining such is human nature which didn't help the problem it hurt the problem but yet the solution or the reconciliation of the problem was the office of a deacon to serve that. And so God, I believe, through, uh, through the apostles at that time, um, they chose the, the men of good report and so on and so forth. And so those men now are out to reconcile uh, the widows and get the, the food distribution corrected and to, to provide harmony. And unity in the body, which is the core goal. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. There's a couple other things in the book of Acts, uh, many, many passages that, um, that outline these types of things where I illustrate where reconciliation and peacemaking had taken. Here's the downside to peacemaking. From the humanistic viewpoint, so from a, from a person's viewpoint, when I look at myself or Possibly when you look at yourself and you go, oh, man, you know, God called me to be a peacemaker. It's not an option. <laughs> You're called to be an evangelist as well. You're called to share your faith with people who don't know it. You're called to help to edify and to encourage and to build up the body. These are all kinds of things that we're called to do, and peacemaking is one of them. And there's a, there's a downside to it. I'm calling it the downside. The downside. It's not always easy to do peacemaking. As a matter of fact, most of the time, it's a very difficult thing for us to do. Our human nature, number one, fights against it. Most people do not run toward peacemaking because generally, not all the time, but generally in peacemaking, there's some difficult discussions that have to happen. Not all the time, but sometimes. And people don't usually run toward that. They run kind of away from it. Or they run to try to, uh, to make it lighter or gloss over some things. So it's, not, it's a downside. It's not always easy to do. Um, it's not always easy because we have pride. Uh, and maybe, maybe we have pride in, well, the, the slide's not up there. Uh, I hesitate to go backwards. So I'm not going to go backwards on this slide. <laughs> uh, but that, that thing where I've offended somebody um, and my pride goes in. I know I've offended him. If I don't know I've offended him, well, that's different. I don't know. How can I go make peace if I don't know? But if I know, and God in his providence has given me knowledge, and I go, hmm, I'm not going to go to that person. I know it, but I'm not going to try to reconcile it. I'm not going to try to be a peacemaker. Um, that's my pride. If my pride's swelling up. It may be some other thing. On the other side, Uh, There's fear. Maybe I've been offended, and uh, nobody's coming to me. Um, And maybe I'm fearful to go, because maybe I might start a conversation, and they don't even know they offended me. Or maybe they know they've offended me, and now it's going to be a difficult conversation. But yet I fear. So our pride and our fear... um, have to be replaced with humility and confidence in Jesus. And that's not always easy to do. But it is something, I believe, that God called us to do. And another reason why it's not easy to do is because not everybody is interested in peace. That's the truth. Like it or not, not everybody wants it. And they're not willing to do what it takes to get reconciled. We see this a lot. Not everybody wants to be reconciled with God. People reject the Lord all the time. God's grace keeps coming at them to accept him in faith, and yet they are not interested. People reject one another. I've seen it in families. I've seen it at the workplace. I've seen it all over the place personally, and I'm sure you have too. So not everybody is interested. Peacemaking is oftentimes misunderstood. So the human language is crazy. (laughs) It's just crazy how, and that's why I say expectations, and not just um, desires. Because as people, we have these expectations, whether we verbalize them or we haven't. They're in there. Maybe we don't even know we have them until all of a sudden it comes up. Uh, But there's these expectations, and people don't meet them, and we get mad and angry because they haven't met our expectations. And now there's a relationship that's broken. Ben Franklin, in 1781, he wrote a letter to John Adams, and part of his letter said this, Blessed are the peacemakers is, I suppose, for another world. In this world, they are frequently cursed. Ben Franklin must have had some opportunities in his life for peacemaking or some, for some reconciliation, and maybe some of them didn't go very well. Or maybe, it sounds like, maybe a lot of them didn't go very well because they're misunderstood. Rick Ezell, who's a pastor, I know you probably don't know him, but uh, he's a pastor, he's a, he's a counselor of many years, um, author of several books, uh, some of them uh, psycho- psycho- uh, psychological books, I guess, uh, counseling books, uh, more than 25 years a peacemaking experience, and I thought it was interesting what he said. I want to read it to you. Many Christians hear Jesus say, blessed are the peacemakers, and we smile blindly and say, oh, that's nice. But peacemaking is not nice. Biblical peacemaking is messy, and it's wrenching work. It takes time and a lot of emotional energy. It is like crossing a fast-moving creek, and we've done this, on slippery rocks. The journey is needed. The work is risky. Sometimes you fall and you get bruised, and sometimes you don't even make it across. That wasn't as I wasn't interested, And as I thought about that, my personal experience in my own family and in places at work uh, and other places, with this idea of peacemaking. We didn't call it peacemaking. <laughs> uh, that word, I, we just didn't use it. It's like, you know, let's, let's try to get uh, this relationship, this broken, unbroken. Or let's deal with this. Uh, let's try to work with this conflict or this strife. Um, I thought that that's true. It makes a lot of sense, what he you saying. Peacemaking, as I mentioned, doesn't always work. Uh, the other downside... Uh, In Paul's letter to Rome, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Debbie read it this morning. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Even Paul recognized that it may not be possible. But that doesn't diminish our calling and our responsibility as a believer to try to make peace. Very challenging uh, for me personally and for uh, I think a lot of people. Peacemaking on the upside. Okay, so what's the upside? We got the downside? Okay, we got that out of the way. <laughs> I don't think there's any big surprises there if you've ever done any of this. But what is the upside? Well, in the same verse, uh, uh, Romans 12, 18, as far as it depends on you, the upside is we have an opportunity. And that's a positive thing. Okay, yeah, there's some negative because there might be some. But it's a positive thing because you're doing possibly the work of the Holy Spirit. God might use you as an instrument to make peace with somebody, to to reconcile uh, a relational issue, to step into uh, a group problem or something and possibly solve it. So there is a blessed upside to that. And I also believe that when we put ourselves in this position to do what it takes to be what God is calling a peacemaker, that there are going to be blessings uh, eternally if we do this in the right spirit and uh, with the right heart uh, and the right motives in mind. So there's an upside there. Uh, We get to be a part of that. Um, The other part of that is Matthew 18. If you're familiar with Matthew 18, this is... Uh, it's, a, it's a long chapter, but part of that chapter has to do with what does a Christian do if he gets offended or someone offends him? Uh, what, what, what's the process? We'll just call it the process that he goes through. And Matthew 18 outlines the whole process. You're probably very familiar with it. But verse 15 says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault." Just between the two of you. Now, that part of the verse alone makes us very uncomfortable. (laughs) You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, I'm going to go point out somebody's sin. Uh, Do I have a log in my eye that I've got to take out? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. (laughs) Uh, That's not easy stuff. But Matthew says, and this is Jesus talking here, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, he says, you have won them over. Now, that is an upside of peacemaking, of reconciling relationships. Um, That's an upside. You have won them over. Now, that could mean a lot of different things, but it is definitely a positive Positive thing. We get to represent Jesus as one who works for peace. You know, we are called to be ambassadors, uh, representatives of Jesus. And when we're doing peacemaking work, we are representing him. We're representing the light, not the darkness. We're representing the love of not the hatred or the anger. We're representing grace and humility um, we're representing Jesus. And God desires us to be bridge builders. And um, this next slide uh, that we're going to bring up is maybe some practical. I actually have uh, four, four, four next slides. Maybe some practical things that we can put in mind. Because we've, we've heard some scripture. Um, We know that God is calling us to be peacemakers. Probably a lot of us have already been doing this. Maybe we're not calling it peacemaking, but we've done it. We've done it at home. Maybe we've done it at work. Maybe we've done it among our friends. Maybe we've done it here in in a church or among Christians. Um, We're doing this kind of work. Some of us are not. Some of us are not doing this kind of work for whatever reason. But as a believer... This is a calling that we have and we want to talk about it. So I'm going to bring up a couple of other slides here, hopefully. Um, oh, building bridges um, between two people or in some cases between, uh, you know, one person building the bridges of others or me building a bridge or them building a bridge in order to do that. This is good information. And I, I really honestly, as I look over this crowd, I, I think that if we were uh, initiating a peacemaking activity, probably the first thing we would do is go to the Lord, and we would ask God to, to be with us, to empower us, to give us grace, to give us wisdom, because God will give us perspective if we go to him. He will give us humility, which is essential. And uh, he'll give us tenderness if we, if we allow him to do that. So a practical way that you could start initiating a peacemaking opportunity is to, first of all, go to God. Secondly, take, this, take the first step, no matter what. And this is really hard. And we kind of already talked about it. Matthew 5 talks about, hey, you have an offering. You're here today. This is a worship service. This is not the only place you can worship. You can worship at home. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. But anyway, um, the, the idea that, that Matthew has here is very, very clear. God's not really going to accept your worship if you've got a relational problem going on. Leave your gift Leave your offering at the altar. Go reconcile, make peace, and then come back and worship. That's God's direction for us there. I wonder how we're doing there. Matthew 18 says, if your brother, we just kind of read this um, in, in, in relationship to taking a first step. If your brother sins against you, Go. Go. Now, the rebuke him part, I think other translations are a little softer (laughs) than that word rebuke. Uh, Anyway, the idea here is to go. Take the initiative. Make the first move. uh, Take action. Reach out. Make a phone call. Send a text message. You know, go visit if they want to do that. Take some relational action to pursue peace in that situation. Tell the other person how you feel. Solomon wrote that a gentle answer turns away wrath or anger, but a harsh word will stir up wrath. So part of the reason we go to the Lord is so that we don't get caught up in ourselves. We don't get caught up in our pride and our arrogance when we're having a discussion, whatever it might be. But we have this humility on us. And this humility is not our humility. It is God's humility working in and through us. Because that will help us to give a general answer. If we're puffed up, if we're proud or arrogant, or it's my thing, I'm going to prove my point, or I've, I've been expecting this and it hasn't been met, or I've got this desire and you're not doing it. Whatever. Um, a gentle answer will turn away that, that anger and a harsh word will throw up the wrath. Paul wrote, don't let any rotten talk come out of your mouth. So how rotten talk is just basically talk is downgrading. It's, it's diminishing. It's breaking relationships rather than building relationships is rotten talk is generally about pride in some fashion uh bringing attention uh to yourself in some way Empathize and consider their situation this is really important and it's really hard it's really hard to do especially if you're not in the frame of mind of humility it's very hard it may not be as hard to empathize But it may be hard to consider their situation. Understand their situation. Take steps to try to understand it. Maybe their situation is totally off, or maybe it's totally on. God asks you and me to understand their situation. Emphasize reconciliation. That is the key. The key is to make the relationship right before God and before man. And so that's the emphasis on that. Let me see if we can get the next one. I think it's my last one. <clears throat> oh, yes. I threw this one in. <laughs> it's, it's huge. This it happens. Gossip. You know, God has called us, if you look at and we talked about this several times in the book of Ephesians, where he wants this church to be unified in our spirit, in our mission. And gossip there's not too many other things in this life that tear down unity more than gossip. So I threw some stuff up here. Gossip will disqualify you as a peacemaker. I believe it. And you may disagree, and that's okay, but I'm the one up here talking, so I get to say it in the microphone. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, I believe that if you're a gossip, that you're a hypocrite, if you now turn your cheek to peacemaking. So be careful what you're saying. About people. Don't gossip to others about the people who have hurt you. Don't do that. Spanish proverb whoever gossips, gossips to you is gonna gossip of you. I don't know if that's true, but I've, I mean, it's a Spanish proverb, so there must be something to it. <laughs> anyway, it makes sense, and I've actually seen it. So maybe there's some truth to that as well. Peacemaker seeks to reconcile with the affected people, the persons, person or persons. Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Again, we're bringing this idea of humility and gentleness into these broken relationships and reconciliation opportunities or peacemaking endeavors because it is at the core. It was at the core of Jesus when he uh, um, was making peace. It was at the core of several biblical illustrations. Uh, so be Completely humble and gentle. Be patient, which is another big one. Bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then uh, Philippians, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. So when you're gossiping, you're not doing either of these when you gossip and you start talking to other people about somebody that's hurt you in some way, and you start start building up some wall, uh, not only within the church or within the family or within the workplace or within your friend group or whatever, you start doing that. You're actually tearing people down. You're actually becoming a troublemaker rather than a peacemaker. And that's the truth of it. And we don't want to do this. Uh, So don't gossip to others about the people that hurt you. And Matt, I think that's my last slide, so you can put whatever background on there you want. Um, So where do we end up here in this area of peacemaking? Um, The Beatitudes... 5 Verse 9 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known as the sons of God. I want to talk just a little bit about that, not talk about it, but just bring it home a little bit to where we know a little bit more about what Jesus might have been saying and meaning in that. The sons of God are those who share his name and share his mission. Uh, That was one of the definitions that I saw about that. It's not necessarily referring to a believer or a non-believer, but it's more representing the totality of what God is, who he is, and what he wants to accomplish through his people, those sons of God. And I think that's what we want. I think we want that. We want that in our prayer life. Um, We want to share God's mission in our prayer life. We want that in our community. When we get together and we start cultivating community, um, I I hope you have relaxed times and you have fun times, but I hope you also have challenging times where you're encouraging one another uh, in the mission of God and you're sharing that. We want to do that in our celebrating. Um, We want to do it in every aspect of all these cultivating things that we've been talking about. And we've, we've covered maybe eight or nine of them. I'm not really sure how many. But there are several more that are in the Bible that we're not even talking about. So as we cultivate these spiritual disciplines like peacemaking and prayer and fasting and generosity and so on and so forth, um, and in particular in this area of peacemaking, let's remember that uh, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God.